And welcome to another edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I'm Jonathan Hood. Follow along on Twitter and Instagram at WrestlingTWT. Also on YouTube, youtube.com. Look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood. Because of the Major League Baseball playoffs, we have not been on ESPN 1000 Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. That's why I always tell you to look for the podcast. Check out Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday wherever you're listening to us from the United States and the United Kingdom and all across the country and around the world. Thanks so much for tuning in and checking out and downloading Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. And tell people Jonathan Hood is talking wrestling Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday Every Tuesday night, or there might be a bonus episode every now and then, depending on what the latest news is in professional wrestling, because it is a lot of fun, and it's busy, and it reminds me of the territory days, because we have so much action to discuss, Uh, and so it was a great week of pro wrestling. Raw on USA, making its debut with a brand new broadcast team, Impact on Access TV on Tuesday, and then, of course, the beginning of the Wednesday Night Wars, quote-unquote, with AEW versus NXT, Chapter 1 of All Elite Wrestling against NXT. Uh, And you can go back in in the archives and check out the review, by the way, of Chapter 1, AEW versus NXT. I talked about what happened last Wednesday, and so you can check that out in the archives on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. And, of course, Friday Night SmackDown on network TV for two hours. It is as big to me as the first WrestleMania, and probably to Vince McMahon as well. Vince McMahon continues to top himself time after time after time. And now to have professional wrestling, whatever Vince calls it, sports entertainment, whatever, to have wrestling on network TV for two hours every Friday is huge for the industry. It's not just huge for the WWE and their bottom line. It's great for professional wrestling. And so that's why it, it's, uh, that was a pretty big deal on Friday night. And, of course, MLW and New Japan Pro Wrestling and other promotions on Saturday and all the independents in between. Listen, everybody gets a piece because the WWE is doing what they're doing. So now the trickle-down effect is that everybody gets a chance to eat. Everybody gets a chance to be able to showcase wrestling because wrestling is red hot. That's why we have Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. And it's just great to see the WWE back on network TV on a regular basis, especially on a big juggernaut like Fox. The way SmackDown started off with The Rock, right? Giving the rub to Becky Lynch. And in a lot of ways, giving the rub to Baron Corbin, quite frankly. Somebody had to be the foil. Somebody had to get joked on, and it was Baron Corbin with that ridiculous outfit. Um, But the idea is that Becky Lynch and The Rock were in the ring at the same time. That's huge for Becky. Doesn't matter if you're a big Becky fan or not. She still needs to resonate with the mainstream. She still needs to be able to have a a bigger platform. Uh, more than just wrestling on a Raw or a SmackDown, she's got to continue to uh, move forward in her career. If she's going to be the man and one of the big faces of the WWE, that rub with The Rock really helped her. And, and moving forward now, more than just a match, more than everything else, it's big for her to be able to really continue to grow her name, her brand, her style. Uh, so it was great to see her and The Rock in the ring together. 
So the main event was Brock Lesnar against Kofi Kingston. And I know that on Friday night, that thing trended for all the way through Saturday afternoon into Sunday. That there were some that were just not happy that Kofi Kingston had to drop his championship. But as I was watching the clock and watching this match start at about 8.51 p.m. Central Time, I'm thinking this is going to be a short match. It had to be a short match because I'm looking at the clock and I'm saying it's got to be a hard 9 o'clock Central p.m. time out it had to be there was no overrun like you saw with nxt this past wednesday it's not the overrun that they could sometimes utilize on the usa network now this had to be a hard out for the fox affiliates to get to their local news or whatever programming they had at the top of the hour so this is this had to be off the air at nine o'clock p.m. central time And so I was expecting the match not to last that long. I did not expect the match to be seven seconds. My God, that was King Kong Bundy against S.D. Jones. So S.D. Jones, rest in peace, my friend. You've got someone now that got beat quicker than you did on a big event, on a major stage. It sucks for those of you that love the New Day. It sucks for Kofi Kingston. But I will tell you this, that Kofi Kingston... And his reign as WWE champion, uh, I just thought that was appropriate that he got beat in seven seconds because I think that's how the WWE looked at Kofi Kingston as WWE champion. He was a placeholder until Brock and Fox came together, and now Brock is the WWE champion. Funny that a billion-dollar deal all of a sudden puts more worth into the WWE championship. I've been saying all along that the WWE championship has been residing on SmackDown. And no matter the Universal Champion, whether whoever it is, that's just the Raw brand championship. There is no SmackDown champion. I think that's very clear. But it's funny now, Brock Lesnar against Kofi Kingston, and it was seven seconds, it was a squash, and uh, again, that's kind of what I expected. And that is just apropos of Kofi Kingston. And if you go back in the archives of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, I talked to JR Bang about this long form about... There are just certain guys in that company that hold the championship but are just not over. I don't know how you are a champion for the long haul and never over. Also, just want you to put a pin in this and think about this for a second. Kofi Kingston's in the main event on SmackDown, right? Well, of course, he's the WWE champion. Um, Kofi Kingston, a lot of these major events, was never in the main event, Becky Lynch in the main event, Charlotte in the main event, Seth Rollins in the main event. Um, It's interesting, Kofi for the first time in the main event on a major event, major event, and he gets beaten seven seconds. That's what I thought of Kofi Kingston. I always thought, whether it was AJ Styles, whether it was CM Punk, whether it's Bray Wyatt, whether it's Kofi Kingston, if that if the WWE champion is not in the main event, then the championship's not hot. You're trying to get the, the wrestler over versus the wrestler and the championship over. Interesting that Kofi is in that spot, right? Main event, Brock Lesnar, seven seconds and out. I figured it was going to be a, a short match, just not that short. So... Tyson Tyson Fury, right, and Braun Strowman going back and forth. Braun Strowman puts the hands up, and Tyson Fury takes um, he takes exception of it. So now, based on what we saw on last night's Raw, as we record this, Fury and Strowman are going to have a match. Maybe it's Crown Jewel, maybe it's another event. I, I don't care, because that doesn't make sense to me. Um, because 
Tyson Fury is a boxing champion introduced to uh, the masses. I don't even know if the WWE audience as a whole knew who the world heavyweight champion is in boxing. Now you know it's Tyson Fury, right? And so, great. That guy looks huge in the ring. I've seen him box because I'm a boxing fan too, so I know that he's good. He's controversial, but he is um, got great size, and they take on Braun Strowman. This is kind of what they wanted. This is what the WWE wanted. They wanted to get the rub from, from Fury um, at SmackDown, and so there he is. Great. Thumbs up. But at the end of Lesnar and Kingston, here comes Cain Velasquez, along with Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio acting like a second, acting like a manager, coming down there with his arm in a sling because he's been beat up by Brock Lesnar. And here comes Cain Velasquez. I don't know what the crowd was like in Los Angeles. We're going to find that out a little bit later on in our broadcast. But I I was, saw him coming down the ramp, and I'm just like, Cain Velasquez. And then Michael Cole did a great job of explaining who Cain Velasquez was. I'm not sure if the crowd at, at large knew who that was. And probably they were confused by Brock Lesnar being scared of Cain Velasquez. They, they probably, maybe there was a connection like, oh, Lesnar and Velasquez, they both were in MMA. They both were in the UFC. So what's the story? Well, if you don't explain the story, it becomes somewhat confusing. Thank goodness there was an explanation on television. But if you're in the arena, you're like, well, who is this guy? And Brock looks much better bigger and much more in shape than this guy. Well, Cain Velasquez. Okay, so who is he? So that I thought that that was an interesting dynamic. Apparently, those two are going to go at it at, at, at some point. I, You know, I saw this with the boxer and the MMA fighter, both on the same card, and they're going to get huge paydays. And if I'm a WWE superstar, I'm just in the back like, dude, why can't I get in that spot? <laughs> I'm I'm on the road 300 days a year or more. Why can't I get in that spot? I'm, this is why that they're not in that spot. Because having the boxing champion and having Cain Velasquez at SmackDown, that's both great for the Fox brand. But overall, will it be great for the WWE Universe? I guess not so sure. But when you get as big a company as the WWE, when you get as big as they are, you have to understand that they assume that you're going to enjoy watching. Whether you love watching or hate watching, they're just going to assume that you're going to watch either way. But having Fury and having Velasquez both on SmackDown is huge for the Fox brand. Keep in mind, Fox has boxing and they have UFC. So this is great for both boxing and UFC on Fox. And for SmackDown, it's a launching pad for anything else they want to do, any show that they want to put on, whether it's Brock Lesnar against Fury, whether it's Brock, uh, or Brock Lesnar against Cain Velasquez, or whether it is um, Tyson Fury against Braun Strowman. <laughs> Either way, they see it as good business, right? But keep in mind, the WWE assumes that you as a fan, you're going to watch either way, right? Either way, you're going to watch. Even though you may not like that, maybe some of the wrestlers in the back don't like that, they feel it's going to be a rub because now you have a major boxer and a major uh, cage fighter now part of the WWE. 
okay, we'll see what happens. I think it was a, a little bit much. I think you could have separated those two, but clearly they're going to be in matches pretty soon here. No matter the guys in the back, no matter the, the very talented roster, we got to put a boxer and a, a cage fighter uh, in prime spots on WWE programming. Got a boxer in place. You got a fighter in place. And Kofi Kingston gets be beaten seven seconds. <laughs> it's just, it's so unfortunate for Kofi Kingston. It really is. It's so unfortunate. He got squashed. I know people are pissed about that because I've been reading this on my Twitter at WrestlingTWT. I've seen this at TweetJHood. I'm just going back and forth and just reading this stuff. It's, a lot of people are just not happy with that finish. You never thought that Kofi Kingston could beat Brock Lesnar, did you? I mean, I would have loved to see that because it would have been a complete swerve on everybody. But it was a night that you were going to try to push Brock Lesnar out there. And another night where Brock Lesnar is not going to be on the show every single week like he should as the champion. He's going to be kept special. He'll get a lot of money. He'll come out for the big events. That's really what it's about. It's a, it's a strange relationship, but Vince really believes in Brock Lesnar. And when he comes out, I tell you, Brock Lesnar's last matchup, his last match against Seth Rollins, that was the best that I've seen from Brock Lesnar win or loss in a long time. He performed very well in that matchup against Seth Rollins. I really enjoyed that a lot. Um, and again, it was him losing, but it, it wasn't a complete squash. He was in there, and he did a really good job with Seth Rollins in that matchup. So, unfortunately, Kofi Kingston becomes a placeholder for the championship. I don't, I don't expect to see Kofi Kingston anywhere near that championship ever again. It, it was a failed experiment by the WWE because they rushed Kofi Kingston in that spot. It was a Ron Garvin. It was a hands of stone Ronnie Garvin type of deal. If you remember Ronnie Garvin becoming the NWA champion, it kind of came out of nowhere in 1987. Held the championship for a few years, never really defended the championship on television, and all of a sudden here in Chicago on Thanksgiving of 87, Ric Flair retains or wins back his um, World Heavyweight Championship. And you wonder, like, what was that all about? Why was Garvin the champion? Same thing here with Kofi Kingston. Kofi Kingston was not given a strong singles push to win singles championships for him to be able to separate himself from the New Day as a strong competitor. He just comes out there, and I thought he had some good matches with Randy Orton. It just didn't resonate with the audience because the WWE Championship hasn't been hot. You didn't get Kofi Kingston hot to make him a believable champion or contender for that matter. He wins the championship, and it's like, okay... Okay, but it, but if you go back to his matches, his matches were good. I liked them. Um, I just thought there might be a different gear, a different attitude from Kofi Kingston. He was still smiling and throwing those pancakes, and that just didn't work for me at all. So uh, a, a nice run, but I just don't expect him to be champion again. That's really too bad. When we move on to Hell in a Cell. Boy, I tell you what, that was a terrific pay-per-view, about a B-plus pay-per-view, Hell in a Cell. And then the bell had to ring for the main event in Sacramento. So, The Fiend takes on Seth Rollins for the Universal Championship. And I like the red, dark arena. I thought that was good. You darken the arena and then you make it all red. The cage was red. I have no problem with that. People have people have a problem with everything in wrestling, but I had a problem with the red cage at all. It was a nice look for television. 
And I thought that Bray Wyatt the Fiend is awesome. I think that is an awesome character. It is a different gear to him. You think about the most evil people in wrestling over the years, the evil personas of Kevin Sullivan and Raven. You just keep going on and on of, of certain wrestlers like uh, over the years, and you say, wow, man, these guys are just pure evil. And so you see the fiend, Bray Wyatt, and you already know he's special. You already know that he's a terrific wrestler, and he's got a great persona, great character. But the fiend just adds a different dynamic to it that it just is amazing, right? Whew. He puts that mask on, and he's just a completely different wrestler. As I mentioned to you in a previous episode, I think it's weird that Seth Rollins isn't more aggressive against um, Bray Wyatt because he's afraid of Bray Wyatt in a mask. And if you are the Universal Champion, you're not afraid. You might take a you might take an ass kicking, but you shouldn't be backing down. And this whole scary Seth thing, I'm scared of the Fiend thing, is just so bizarre. I think it was booked uh, poorly from the beginning. You want your baby face to be brave and have some fucking balls. And, and I didn't see that from <laughs> from Bray, from Seth Rollins at all. Where are the balls on Seth Rollins? It's just it's going to be, the, it's one thing to be a baby face, but to be a soft baby face and back down from the fiend is just, it was just so strange. The whole build up to it. But talking about the Hell in Cell match, I thought that it was, uh, it was interesting the way it was laid out because... Seth Rollins did everything he could to beat The Fiend. I just want to point out something to you. I didn't count how many curb stomps that he gave to The Fiend. It felt like 10, 12, 14 curb stomps. That same curb stomp that he gave to The Fiend, in which he goes into the cover and he gets a one count. All those curb stomps, the same curb stomps that beat Brock Lesnar, the same curb stomps that beat Triple H or Randy Orton, but couldn't win with the curb stomp with The Fiend. Does that mean The Fiend is better than those guys? Just think about the psychology of that just for a second. This is something that he uses for and has used for a long time, Seth Rollins. He used their curb stomp over and over again like it's a side headlock. And so now when Seth uses it and uses it for a pin, it's never going to be believable. See, some of this is about really looking at wrestling and trying to suspend your disbelief, right? So if Seth Rollins, when he puts that curb stomp on, you think it's over, right? You think, wow, this is one of his devastating moves. But you're using it over and over again to try to beat The Fiend. Clearly, after the first couple of times, it didn't work. But you used it and you bastardized it. Now, when you put it on, I'll be like, well, and if you win with it, it's just like, okay, well, I can't believe you as a champion. So you guys suspend disbelief and they didn't do that. I'm going to curb stomp him 15 times and he still kicks out at one. I like how the Fiend no sold some stuff because you don't see that in wrestling very often. You know, what the Road Warriors, um, Sid, very few would like no sell some things. Some on purpose, and, and some uh, via the character design. But I, I just thought that that was uh, that was strange, and you have to understand this from a wrestling psychology standpoint as well. When you beat up. On a heel, as much as Seth did, toolbox, chairs, tables, uh, sledgehammers, crazy hammers, whatever that big, big mallet was. When you are doing that very often, over and over again, and the heel doesn't respond, you know what you're doing to Bray Wyatt? 
you're making him a baby face and making you the heel. It's a switch when you do that. It's, it's just wrestling logic. Once you beat up the, the fiend like that, the crowd turns on you. crowd didn't like the idea that it was dark in the arena and it had red light. They didn't like the idea that Seth Rollins was getting over on the fiend and doing all these things. And all of a sudden, people are rooting for the fiend and booing Seth Rollins. One of the reasons for that was is that, um, well, they <laughs> he made the fiend look like a baby face. Now you got sympathy on the heel, like, oh, wow, he's getting beat down. He's a character. We like Bray Wyatt. We, we turned on our phone flashlight so we can support the fiend. Yeah. Now you made, Seth made him a, like this huge baby face from that now. I, I just, I don't understand the finish. Here's why I didn't understand the finish. You think about all the times that you have watched Hell in the Cell, right? And we know that The Undertaker and the Mankind is at the top of that, right? It's at the top of the mountain. There's no question when it comes to that match. But see, when you are going to have that non-finish in Sacramento, that non-finish of, okay, Seth has tried everything underneath the ring, everything to try to beat The Fiend. And so I'm going to get out Triple H's sledgehammer, and the referee says, this is not who you are. Don't do this, Seth. This is not who you are. And here's a sledgehammer. And he puts a sledgehammer down and hits, so, you know, supposedly hits Bray Wyatt with it and then calls for the bell. I'm surprised there wasn't a riot in Sacramento. Seriously. Because you want a winner and a loser in Hell in the Cell, right? And as X-Pac said on the Watch Along, I'm sure you've seen this. If, if not, go to my Twitter. It's on my Twitter account at WrestlingTWT. X-Pac's there with a whole bunch of people who said, I know they're not going to ask me back after I say this, but you can't have a disqualification or a non-finish and a hell in a cell. And he's right. It's crazy. It's a terrible finish. It was awful. How, how do you do that? Right? To me, you have to have a winner and a loser. And I will say this. I don't think that Bray Wyatt... Shouldn't have been WWE champion for the beginning when he was WWE champion. I said, "Why has he got the title? This shouldn't have not. This shouldn't have been a, a championship match. It didn't make sense. The Fiend doesn't need the championship. There's certain wrestlers over the years: Jake Roberts, The Undertaker, on the Raven, on and on. Kevin Sullivan, all the people that you think had an evil character. If they were over, that was their championship. If they were the number one heel, the number one personality in that company, they didn't need a championship." Bray Wyatt doesn't need a championship. That's why I just, I, I don't know why this is for the Universal Championship. Why? He doesn't need a championship. But somebody had to win that match. And for it to be a non-finish and because of the stoppage of the sledgehammer, that's the thing. Think about in the previous match with Becky Lynch. And she took on, uh, in a great matchup, I thought, I mean, Becky against Sasha Banks was the best match on the card. But think about everything that they utilized, all of the weapons they utilized in that matchup. There was no disqualification. They didn't ring the bell for some of the things that they were used in that Hell in the Cell match. I, I just I, I just think that that finish, that non-finish, was bad for the WWE. And so bad, so bad, that Seth Rollins did not show his face on the next Monday Night Raw, the next night. The WWE knows that they screwed up on this. Where was Seth Rollins? Where was the interview to him to explain everything? How, how come he wasn't out there in action? There's a reason. There's a reason. 
Uh, where was Bray Wyatt? He was there in the he was in a dark match after Raw went off the air. Um, but where was he to explain everything? Because they know that that was first of all brutal, and second, even though there was live action in that matchup, it just it just was a disconnect for the audience. It just was. I will tell you, and I'll make the prediction now. John Cena isn't around for you to boo when he comes to your city. Uh, Roman Reigns uh, is not someone that's booed anymore because it took cancer for him to get over. I know that sounds blunt, but when he made that announcement, people stopped booing him. They should have booed him to start with, but WWE fans always try to find someone to blame for the creative. So someone's got to be able to wear the mantle. They can't, they don't see Vince enough. So they just use a wrestler as a symbol, a symbol of their frustration of the creative in the WWE. Seth Rollins is going to be that guy now. If Seth Rollins would have came out the night after Hell in the Cell on Monday Night Raw, he would have been booed soundly. But the, So the WWE just did a complete Jedi mind trick and just put on a whole bunch of other nonsense and kind of a blow-off Raw that they had uh, on Monday night just so you can forget about it and try to wash off the stench of that main event in Sacramento. So, as I mentioned, Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks were terrific. I thought that that was the main event. That should have been the main event. If I'll put it this way. If Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks is the main event and you switch The Fiend, and you put The Fiend against Seth Rollins, and you have that, if that's the finish you want to go with, I don't think that that would have hurt Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks. I don't. I think that the, them standing alone would have been a, a it was an A-plus match that was an A-plus main event match that was the, at the beginning of the card. It's unfortunate for them. And by the way, if Becky Lynch is the man, when is Becky Lynch going to be in more main events? Her match was better than her man's match as far as the finish and the action that took place in it. So uh, Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan against Eric Rowan and Luke Harper. Very solid matchup. Very good. Daniel Bryan's a babyface now again, huh? <laughs> Daniel Bryan didn't have to change to start with. Let's see. Daniel Bryan is an over babyface that WWE didn't want to, didn't want to support. You put him with the Wyatt family. That didn't work for like two or three weeks. You make him a babyface again. Then you make him a heel. Uh, now babyface again. I mean, he's, at this point, he's going to be the new big show. I, I mean, Daniel Bryan now taming with Roman Reigns. It seems like the crowd is right behind him again. He's right behind the crowd. So just, just, I just don't think that makes any sense, what they've done with Daniel Bryan and amongst other wrestlers in this company. But I thought that, Luke Harper and Eric Rowan, two solid veterans in there with uh, Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan. That was a very, very good match. It was about a, an A-minus to B-plus matchup. Good to see um, Mustafa Ali in that matchup against Randy Orton. I kind of knew what the finish was going to be. I thought Orton would get over, but I think it was a matchup to kind of really push Ali out there uh, because I think the company thinks highly of him. Great reversal, by the way, on the... Uh, on the RKO, that's the first time I've ever seen an, a reversal like that. I thought that Ali wrestled well in that matchup. Kabuki Warriors defeating Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross to win the Women's Tag Team Championships. I love Kari Sane and Asuka. I thought that was a very, very good match. Here's the thing, and we talked about this in previous episodes because you guys have responded to me on Twitter about this. Once again, the WWE does not know when they have baby faces. You mean to tell me Kari Sane's a heel? You mean tell me Asuka's a heel? 
Asuka looks good, and she is a babyface. Kari Sane is a babyface. You saw her in NXT, right? I, I just, I don't understand. Just, I don't get this company sometimes. Those are two babyfaces right there. And Nick, and you mean to tell me now Alexa Bliss is a babyface? Viking Raiders and Braun Strowman against the OC. Move on from there. Um, so Chad Gable, known now as Shorty Gable, defeating King Corbin. Man, they are just not doing this this kid any favors. Chad Gable is a player in this company, and so they just want to keep making short jokes. I, I hope this means he's going to get over at some point. I hope that means that he's going to be able to... Um, <laughs> to be able to be something in this company because otherwise it's, he's taking a bunch of short jokes for no reason and just and bad short jokes for that matter too but I thought it was uh, you know a decent matchup for sure and once again Corbin with another fine performance as a heel you can never doubt that I just think that they're not doing Chad Gable any favors they got nothing else for him hey he's short we'll just fuck with him because he's short silly um Charlotte Flair defeating Bailey to uh, win the SmackDown Women's Championship. Um, Bailey is a babyface, and if Charlotte's a babyface too, that's fine. But Bailey, again, to me, she was a Cena-like babyface when she came out of NXT, and they ruined it. They ruined it. She, the side ponytail, the smile, the look. She's uh, was a. I think money drawing baby face on the women's side and they made her a heel and I don't understand it. Now she didn't have a championship. So now where, where does she go now? She's still going to be a solid hand for them, but I think they, they messed up on that. Once again, just a head scratcher. And of course we get to the universal championship and we just reviewed that. And uh, so did they uh, also reviewed it on busted open. Uh, so Dave LaGreca and bully Ray talked about, this matchup here uh, with Seth Rollins and The Fiend, as I told you, I just think that that wasn't the right call. And think about all the Hell in a Cell matches where it's supposed to be final, the final final. And so, unfortunately, the WWE did not execute that, and people were screaming refund and chance of AEW. I didn't know Sacramento can get down like that. <laughs> that surprised me. Uh, they were pissed, and rightfully so. Some thoughts now from Bully Ray and... Dave LaGreca about what happened to Hell in the Cell. At all. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't understand it. But I will tell you this. If they would have added one or two little things to the referee's verbiage, if the ref would have said just a couple of different things to Seth Rollins right before Seth Rollins used that sledgehammer, then I would have been able to make more sense of it. It's not about what the referee said to Seth. It was what, what the referee didn't say to Seth that made the least amount of sense to me. And, and explain, like, what could the ref have said last night that would have gotten you to buy in to how that match ended? It wouldn't have stopped people from booing, and it would not have made people unhappy, uh, taken away from their unhappiness. But let me ask you this, Dave. We saw a match that, in my opinion, really didn't make a ton of sense, especially when you compare it to the opening match of the night, Sasha versus Becky, which made a lot of sense. There was psychology around the weapons that they used. They, they did a lot of things the right way. In the last match, I just saw 
gratuitous weapon use just for the sake of weapon use, okay? Seth Rollins brings in a chair, and he cracks Bray Wyatt in the skull with it. Yep. Right then and there, hasn't the WWE primed us to know that that's a no-no? No chair shots to the head. Was that a chair shot to the head? Yes. Was it a direct chair shot to the head? It looked direct to me. Actually, more direct and, and vicious than a normal chair shot because his head is up against the mat and his head has no place to go. It's basically like doing an old school Edge and Christian concerto. It is the one chair concerto that Edge and Christian used to do. Right then and there, they've already set the tone for why the eventual finish doesn't make a lot of sense. But I want to go back to the referee. Do you know off the top of your head what the referee said to Seth Rollins right before he was going to use the sledgehammer? It was like, this isn't you. It's like something along those lines. This isn't you. Gotcha. He said, do not use that. Think about what you're doing. This is not who you are. Are you really going to kill this guy? So now what we're seeing is the referee begging and pleading with Seth Rollins because at the end of the day, Bray Wyatt is still a man. He's confused. He's like a Hannibal Lecter. Hannibal Lecter was still a man at the end yes. of the day despite the fact that he was a monster. If the referee... Let me stop. At the finish of the match when the bell rang, who did the heat go on? They, I mean, well, geez, there was a lot of heat, you know, at the end of that match, but the referee, because the referee, because the, there was a stoppage. All the heat went on the ref because they stopped a hell in a cell match. People thought it was a DQ. It was never announced as a DQ, but it was a, it was a match stoppage. And all of the heat goes on the ref. All the referee had to do, Dave, was tell Seth Rollins, Think about what you're doing. This is not who you are. Do you really want to kill this guy? Seth, if you do this, I got to throw the match out. If the referee says that, now the decision is on Seth's shoulders, not the referee's. Now it's Seth who made the decision to consciously crack Bray Wyatt in the head with the sledgehammer. There were no consequences. If the referee tells Seth Rollins, Seth, if you do this, I got to throw the match out. And now Seth looks at the referee and we see the look on Seth's face and then he decides to deal the death blow. The way they did it leaves all of the heat on the referee because you never expected to see the referee throw out a match because of that type of physicality. In my opinion, the Chair shot to the head is a lot more vicious and violent than a sledgehammer to a toolbox on top of a ladder on top of a chair. It's 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 hard to break down. It's hard to even consider where this is going. I mean, bully, we've seen Hell in a Cell matches. We've seen a ton of Hell in a Cell matches. We saw Undertaker and Mick Foley. Mick Foley almost die in that ring, and that match continue and have a finish. We've Great conversation there with uh, Dave LaGreca and Bully Ray on Busted Open on SiriusXM um, Fight Nation. Yep. Bully Ray, as a former wrestler, as well as a creative 
member of ROH laid it out perfectly. Put the heat on the ref or put the heat on Seth. Either way, it was just a weird finish. Again, maybe on television you might have gotten that, but still I think the people in Sacramento would have rioted because they wanted to see a finish. They either want to see Bray Wyatt as champion or they want to see something other than what we saw in Sacramento. Just absolutely brutal. And you know what? As I mentioned, the WWE knows it as well. That's why you didn't see Seth Rollins or Bray Wyatt on Raw the next night. <sighs> Great first episode of NWA Power. Power. It's on YouTube, youtube.com. They were on at 6.05 Eastern Time on Tuesday. If you have not seen it, check it out. If you, Especially if you love old school wrestling. I thought that the NWA and... Uh, Dave Lagana and his crew really brought it for the first episode. It was really good. You think about going back in time to Georgia Championship Wrestling, to the National Wrestling Alliance, and watching how studio wrestling was really done and done well. Crowd participation, where the uh, wrestlers looking at you and the camera, putting themselves over with no scripts, you know, no backstage issues, just, hey, go out there and sell yourself. To the audience, sell tickets, have people to come back based on your promo and based on your in reaction. I thought that Eli Drake was great. I thought that Nick Aldis, the NWA champion, he was tremendous. Listen to what Nick Aldis said as he was being interviewed by Dave Marquez on the first NWA broadcast from Atlanta. Again, it's on YouTube, youtube.com. Go to the NWA channel and you can see the episodes for yourself. The, but the first one took place as we record this on uh, Tuesday night and uh, it, it was pretty tremendous. It, uh, I talked to Dave LaGreca, who you just heard from there from Busted Open. He called me during the broadcast. He says, isn't this unbelievable? And I go, yeah, because we're both NWA fans from way back when. And it's just a great opportunity for you to look at wrestling in, in a studio form, in a controlled environment, and just terrific wrestling for an hour. I, I just thought it was great. Some great action there as... Uh, some thoughts now from the NWA champion. You know, you and I now, we've got to know each other pretty well over the last couple of years. And uh, we've been around the world, went to China together. What does all of this mean to you? David, an incredibly brilliant, handsome man once said, it is so hard to be humble. And when I think about the fact that I'm coming up on one year, 365 days as the real world's champion. <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes it's so hard to stay hungry. But then I think about just how far we've come from a punchline to a headline. The NWA is here in Atlanta, GA, and I'm fired up, and I know you people are too. Then I think about the great champions we have representing our organization. Wildcard, Tom Latimer and Royce Isaacs. From nothing to something to everything as the World Tag Team Champions. James Storm, do not have to like him, but he does a hell of a job as the national champion. Allison Kay, not a lady you want to trifle with, continuing a legacy set forth by Mildred Burke and forging her own. In the back, there are men and women, seasoned professionals, dues paid in full, gunning, to be the best, and the men are gunning for Sweet Charlotte, the 10 pounds of gold, the world's heavyweight wrestling championship, which brings me to you, Tim Storm. 
Tim, I respect you as much as any man I've ever met in this line of work, but respect is a two-way street. And when you look at me, know that every stitch of clothing I have on, the jag parked outside, every meal I've ever put on my son's dinner table has been paid for by professional wrestling. So if you think that I busted my ass from coast to coast and across four different continents just to do the J-O-B in the ATL, you got another thing coming, my friend. So what say you and I, what say you and I go out there and get after it like men? And when this is all said and done, you will know why I'm the national treasure and the world's champion. Wow, great. Not good, great promo by Nick Aldis. And the reason why it was great is because that guy, that guy knows how to be able to get himself over and the promotion over. That was the first promo that was done in the NWA in their first episode. Great job by the NWA for their first episode on YouTube. And by the way, there were more promos done on that NWA broadcast for an hour than we saw all of AEW and NXT this past Wednesday. I think other wrestling companies got to understand it's one thing to have wrestling. It's one thing to have skits. It's another thing to be able to have really solid promos to get yourself over. NWA is doing it. Let's see if others will follow in kind. All right. Thanks so much for checking out the broadcast. Don't forget we got a YouTube page as well, youtube.com, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Also on Twitter and Instagram at WrestlingTWT. Our next episode, we're going to hear from Sean Farnham, who works for ESPN, college basketball analyst. But he's a big wrestling fan like you and I. That's going to be the next thing that you'll hear on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. We're going to get his thoughts because he was there live in Los Angeles for SmackDown. Thanks so much for checking out Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. And tell people, Jonathan Hood's Talking Wrestling. Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, every Tuesday, right here, wherever you download your podcast and on ESPN 1000. Thanks so much for listening. So long, everybody. God, wrestling is just so great right now.